everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. I'm glad you're here today. Hey, if you don't mind, we've been talking about this a lot the last couple weeks, but I want to just put this in front of you one more time. We do have a church center app. If you have a phone and you want to just scan that, you can get directly to our Hillspring app. And what you're going to find on that app today, you'll find like the sermon notes from this morning. If you like to, if you like to do sermon notes, like you can have it on your phone. Uh, that you'll also find our calendar, things coming up in our church. We're adding to that weekly. You'll find ways to register for events. Like you were talking about the Boots and Barbecue event, you can find how to register there. A lot of different things on the app. I'd love for you to download that. If you serve on our team, you actually there's an option that'll show you where you schedule when you're serving, things like that. And so you do want to have that. Um, when winter comes around, one of the things that we don't do anymore is calling the news stations and telling them that Hillspring is closed or anything like that. We'll push that out through the app and our website and our, and our Facebook page. And so just so you know, it's a, it's a resource for you. I'd love for you guys to have that. Today, we are going to continue on in a tradition that's been going on for years and years and years at this church. And the tradition is really, it's this, it's that Brent comes up here and preaches really happy messages to you guys, and you love him, and you, and you cheer for him, and then he gives me all the bad ones. And so today, we're preaching on Judas, and so this will be great for you guys this morning. Glad to do this. I do know that the boss man is watching right now, so I got to be careful with what I'm doing, but I love you. Give him a big round of applause, too, while he's here with us. So... My wife and I, we, we have started to watch these, uh, a series of movies together. And I'm not going to tell you which one they are. People are always asking. I'm not going to tell you which one they are. There's nothing bad with them, but like, that's not the point of the story. But we're watching these movies, and one of the things about it is uh, there's like nine of these movies. Okay? It's, it's a ridiculous amount. And these movies are like two and a half, three hours long. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know what happened to movies, but movies used to not be this long. I, maybe it's, I'm getting older, but I've got to pee every 25 minutes, all right? That's just kind of where I'm at in life. And so movies like this, they take forever and they go forever, and it's hard for me to pay attention to them. But one of the things that I've, I've learned with my wife, my wife and I, we've been together for many, many years, and, and, and one of the things that we did not actually learn in premarital counseling um, was this one little caveat of her personality. What we did learn in premarital counseling is that there's a lot wrong with her and not a lot wrong with me, which I think is an incredible thing. I knew that. Like, I'm, I'm very whole, which is great. Um, and there's a lot of darkness there, but we're working through that. God can do things. And, but one of the things that we, we didn't cover in premarital counseling was this thing that I just learned in watching these movies. And I should have known it beforehand. But my wife is a big-time movie talker, okay? She will talk right in the middle of movies. And she's not like a kind of whisper person. It's as loud as she is on the microphone when she's talking, okay? And, and so she's seen this series of movies as she grew up with them. And so as she's watching them and, and going through them, she does this thing that I didn't know was a thing. But when we're watching the movie, and I've never seen any of them, when we're watching the movie and I'm watching it, she does this thing when, a, when an intense moment or something important happens. She does this thing. She'll be sitting next to me and she'll just turn and stare at me, okay? And so, so, so that is the tell, that is the gift for me to know, uh, uh, okay, something's about to happen, all right? Not only is she a movie talker, if it's a musical, she's a movie singer as well. It's really, it's really embarrassing. Um, but she always does this, and she'll sit there, and she'll, she'll always ask the question, are, are you paying attention? Are you paying, yeah, I'm watching the movie. Are, are you paying attention? It's another give to know, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something coming up here, and, and it helps spoil the movie for me. I, I use this horrible, horrible analogy to talk about how I think we read the Bible sometimes. I think we can read the Bible 
sometimes like we watch, like Cassie watches movies. We've just kind of seen it enough. We know what's happening. We see what's going on. We know the story. We've heard things about it. And so we just kind of, we kind of gloss over it. And today, I don't want to do that with the story of Judas. This story is a really, really incredible one, and it's a really, really different one, and it's a really, really weird one. This is a guy that betrayed Jesus, and we can read the scripture and say, well, did they not know this was about to happen? Jesus said over and over, there's somebody that's going to betray me. The one who I pass this bread to, he'll betray me. Why did the disciples not get that? Why did they not see that? Why did they not catch up to this? And, and that's how we can, I think, sometimes read the Bible, like, we well, should have known that. Well, they, they wouldn't have known those things. And so today, we're going to talk about Judas and really his relationship with, with Jesus. All right, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Mark chapter 14. Here we go. Mark 14, verse 41, it says like this. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. He's in the garden, he's praying, and, and he knows that Judas is on the way with the rest of the army. Verse 43, just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the 12, appeared. With him, a crowd, with, with him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priest, the teacher of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I guess is the one to arrest and lead him away under guard. Verse 45, going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of the standing near, then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you would come after me with swords and clubs? Verse 49, every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Verse 50, then everyone deserted him and fled. Verse 51, a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus when they seized him. He fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Judas is probably the most infamous character in the Bible, maybe in the entire world, all right? Just just quick survey of the room. Anyone named their kid Judas lately that you know? Anyone named their kid Judas? Yeah, yeah, this doesn't, it doesn't happen. There's actually about eight different Judases in the Bible, seven of which are very, very angry at this Judas for ruining their name. Uh, the, he's, he's in the Bible, but there's, there's different versions of him. And, and really, in the Bible, there's not a lot that we hear about this Judas, mainly for the fact that the writers wrote their books after all these events took place, and they didn't like Judas at that point. And so what do we know about Judas Iscariot here today? First thing is Judas was Judean. He's from a place called Kerioth. Iscariot, Judas Iscariot, literally means the man of Kerioth. He was, he was from Judea. He's the only disciple, by the way, that was Judean. The rest of them were Galilean. The Old Testament speaks of a betrayer in reference to Judas. So the Old Testament speaks about Judas years and years before any of this stuff happens. In Psalms chapter 41, verse 9, it says like this, Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, remember the Lord's Supper, has lifted his heel against me. In fact, I think it's interesting, some of the theologians believe that out of the book of Genesis. If you go to the story of Joseph and his brothers, and you know how that story goes, right? Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery. He was sold away. And some theologians believe that Judas's name is a derivative of the word Judah. And if you go to the book of Genesis and you read the scripture, Genesis 37 verse 26 says this, Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Verse 27, come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. They think that there's a connection point to that as well. In the New Testament, we see things about Judas as well. <clears throat> Judas was a disciple. He was one of the 12 chosen by Jesus to be in his crowd. Jesus had a lot of people with him, 
There was some at some point 700 people with him, but then he would whittle it down to 300 and really whittle it down to 12, and out of the 12, really three. But in that 12, Judas was there. Judas was sent on mission by Jesus. Judas went out and healed and preached and prayed with people. The book of John says that Judas was the treasurer of the group. He was in charge of the money box, that he was often caught even stealing from the money box. When Mary comes in and anoints Jesus' feet for burial, he's the one that's angry about the fact that he would, they would waste all the perfume there. He said he was angry because he wanted to take care of the poor, but it wasn't that. He wanted the money for himself. He was with Jesus during the Last Supper. And he accepts a piece of bread from Jesus at the table. And really, the book of John says this. This is a very interesting verse. It says that Satan, when he got the piece of bread, Satan entered into him. Satan entered into him. And so we're just going to talk about a couple things here today. First thing is, what's this about Satan entering into Judas? I think in a world like we live in today, we can, we can over-rationalize everything. We're very see, tangible, we got to touch it type of people. And we don't really give a lot of credit, or it's at least easy to dismiss the demons and the satanic things around us. Like there is evil in the world, right? We build more and more prisons. We build more and more things for like weapons. We, we do that because there's evil in the world. But behind that evil is something that we don't see very often, but it's Satan and demonic oppression. And so what I want to remind you of here today is, and, and in this room, we probably have different varying degrees of what we believe oppression and demonic possession is. We could probably have differing views here. But the truth of the matter is, if you're a Christian, if you've laid your life down to Jesus, if you've bent your knee and said, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior, you have authority in the name of Jesus over every demon, over Satan, and every principality. You have that power. But, just as a word of caution, if you don't know Jesus, you don't have that power. And you can be succumbed to those temptations and those evils of the demonic. I want you to think about this. Satan entered into Judas. Satan's not omnipresent, right? He can't be in all places like God. That's not who he is. He's not God. He can't be in all different places at one time. And so there was a very specific assignment on Judas's life where Satan entered into him. He has tons of demons. They can do whatever they want, but he entered into Judas in this, in this moment. Uh, another question you might think about in this was, well, was Jesus or was Judas... Was he born for this moment? Was he born to be the betrayer? A, a lot of religions have this, Islam is one of these, that have this belief that uh, everything's already coordinated. It's already, it's like fatalism, that this is just the road, you can't change it, nothing stops. And so was Judas part of this road that was always gonna be the one who betrayed him? Was this always Jesus' story? And I think what we need to hear today is Jesus, he was born to die, but Judas was not born to be the betrayer. He had to make a choice in this. He wasn't made only for, he made the choice. And here's why. In Mark chapter 14, <clears throat> this is a story of the woman who anointed Jesus' feet with a perfume, okay? So Mark 14, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It said, then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the chief priest to betray them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money, so he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. He decided to betray him. He went to the chief priest before, or Satan entered into him. And so what I think I would say here is Satan entering into Judas was by invitation, not invasion. He welcomed him in. 
By his actions, he opened the doors for him to come in. By his love of the world and his love of money, and we'll talk about a lot of that here in a second, he invited him in into his life. Judas knew what to do. Judas knew who to talk to in the betrayal, and that's what he did. So we can't say that this was something that Judas was born for or that God set him up, because some people believe that. In fact, James chapter one says like this, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Your temptation is not sent to you by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Just a quick reminder that all sin in your life and all sin in my life start in our mind. It starts with our thoughts. It starts with the way we think. This is why Romans is very clear about renewing your mind. It's why you have to think about what's honorable and what's true because sin starts in your mind. And if you let it grow and you let it grow, it turns to death for you. And there is a, there is a version of the church where we sit there and we live in casual sin and not think that it matters to anyone else. We think that if I'm doing it and it doesn't hurt anybody, then we're okay. What you don't understand is sin has consequences that ripple out to the people around you. That it's generational for some of you. And so your sin is never casual. It actually can build casualties around you. And so we have to think in those terms. And by the way, the person that should be the most nervous is the person in the room that thinks that, that would never be me. That would never, I, I wouldn't do that. That's not me. Uh, we, we were talking about movies earlier, and we're going in October, and all these scary movies come out. And I, 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 it's crazy to think that we spend all this money on these horror movies and all these kind of different things. But what, what I would say is, there is a good fear in life, right? Like there, there is a good fear. And sometimes we have to read scriptures like this just to kind of maybe think, uh-oh, I need to check my heart. Because out of that, it could maybe help you to see where you are and who you are. There's a good fear. So today, I hope you hear no shame, no guilt. I hope you hear just the story of Jesus' life and what it means for you and for, for me. Satan entered uh, Judas. Satan entered into Judas not as an invasion but as an invitation. He wasn't conscripted to this life. And so, why then? Why, why would he betray Jesus? What's, what's the reason? There's a couple of things that people think. I'll give you a few of them. Number one, Judas, did he do it for money? Did he, did he betray Jesus for money? He was the money keeper. He, had, he was the treasurer. He was the CFO. He, he, had the, he had the money. And John says he was stealing from that money pot. Maybe he thought that life with Jesus would be a little bit more lucrative, not understanding that Jesus says foxes have dens, but the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head down. No, he decided, hey, 30 pieces of silver, that, that, that'd be good. I'll betray Jesus for that. Maybe he's thinking the government's after him. Rome wants to kill him. So may, maybe we need to, maybe I just need to pull all my, all my cards in this side of it and, and get rid of Jesus. Maybe that's what he's thinking. Maybe he did because of politics. After the anointing of, in Bethany, where the lady poured the perfume on his feet, maybe he was angry thinking, no, this wasn't the way I thought it was gonna be. The prophecy said that, that you would be a conquering king and that we would rule, that we would be over everybody, and, and now this is happening. Maybe when, when they rode up on Jerusalem and Jesus, he starts crying and weeping over Jerusalem, saying, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I wish I could gather you together. Maybe Judas was angry there, saying, no, we should be storming 
Jerusalem because we should be ruling this place. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe, maybe Judas was jealous. You, you, you read in the scriptures that, again, Judas was the only one that wasn't Galilean. He was always different. Maybe, maybe it was the fact that every time they listed out the disciples, he was always last. Maybe it was at the transfiguration and all these important moments, Judas was never invited into that story. There's always James, Peter, John. Uh, it was never him. Maybe he was jealous. We, we, don't, we don't know why he would do that. Next question I think we should ask is, okay, so was there any hope for Judas? After Judas betrayed Jesus, could he have repented? You know how the story goes, right? Judas betrays Jesus. He throws the coins on the ground when he figures out what he did. He grabs a noose. He hangs himself and he dies. It's a horrible horrific end to the disciple but could he have came back would, would there have been a redemption arc for Judas could there have been a way remember a couple weeks ago we talked about Peter and Peter his denials of Jesus right you, you remember the story you said you're gonna deny me three times said, there's no chance I would deny you you're not you're, you're gonna deny me in fact in one of the Gospels it might be Mark it said that when Peter did the last denial the Bible says that when he heard the rooster crow, Jesus looked right directly at Peter, and Peter looked right directly at his Savior, eye to eye. What a, what a disheartening moment that would be. What a low moment that would be. And Peter ran away, crying, hurting. Peter betrayed Jesus too in this story. But there's a difference in their stories between Judas and, and Peter. See, the Bible tells us that on the day that Jesus was resurrected, Peter was the first person to go inside the tomb. Now, there were women that showed up there, but Peter was the first one to walk inside the tomb. The Bible says that he ran to find Jesus because he heard. A heart of repentance runs towards Jesus. Does that make sense? A heart of repentance that says, God, I know I messed up. God, I know I screwed this up. God, I know, I have, I know that I shouldn't have done it. God, I need you to help me. But a heart of shame runs away. And this is the difference between Judas and Peter. Judas ran away from Jesus. Peter ran towards him. Peter was restored. Judas, he was destroyed. So there's a difference, and here's how I would say it. There's a difference between remorse and repentance. Repentance says, hey, I'm sorry that I sinned against God. I need forgiveness. Remorse says, I'm sorry for the consequences of my sin but I don't really need God. This is why in this room, and I love you, and I'm no better than any of you, I struggle with all the same things, but this is why in this room, some of us don't care about our sin, and we don't war against our sin, because we're more concerned about the consequences of our sin, not the character of who God is and who we've sinned against. That there's a very holy God that lives up in heaven, that resides there with his son, who still has wounds in his hands and in his feet, that died for you and for me, that went to a cross, that was nailed to a cross with a, with a crown of thorns on his head because of your sin and because of my sin. And we take that casually and we make it plain and it's not plain. He died for each and every one of our sins. And so it's not a casual, plain thing. Was there hope for Judas? I don't know. But we know in the story he was remorseful, not repentant. Peter was restored, Judas wasn't. 
And so we're going to finish it out. Is everyone good right now? Everyone still good? Why does he not give me the happy ones? Whatever. We're going to finish it out here. Everyone say, I love you, Matt. Don't believe it. So <clears throat> what are the lessons we can learn from Judas today? Here, here's the first one, and we're going to finish it out. N- number one, <clears throat> you can know Jesus and not follow Jesus. You can know Jesus and not follow Jesus. Judas was at the feeding of the 5,000, right? He was at the pool of Bethsaida when Jesus said, stand up, grab your mat, and walk. He was there when the young boy was raised from the dead. He, He was in those moments. He was in those times. And yet, what ends up happening? He betrays Jesus. Because what we see in the story is that He knew Jesus, but he didn't follow after Jesus. Some of you in this room, I love you, but some of you know who he is, you know about him, but you don't know him. And the key to knowing Jesus is that there's life change happening in your life. If you gave your life to Jesus at Falls Creek all these years ago and nothing has really changed to today, I would really start to ask myself, do I know him? Am I under his lordship? Do I understand who he is? In this story, Judas kept falling for the enemy's deceit, and he kept going after what Satan wanted. You can know him and still not follow him. This is why church is important. The gathering of believers, why this is important, but why this can be dangerous, because some of us, we believe that because we come in those doors and we sit here, that we're saved. And that's not the truth of all. Attendance does not equal salvation. I can tell you all day long I'm a pro wrestler, but I ain't a pro wrestler, right? It's a changed heart. What is your heart saying? What is the fruit of your life? And I'm not talking about works. I'm talking about a person whose heart is bent towards what God wants to do in the world around them. That looks at the people on the corner that are begging for money and say, hey, that's a person of God. Made in the image of God. A person who walks around this church and says, man, what can I do to make this place better? A person who's out there on the mission field in Africa and in Kenya and everywhere around. A person who believes that God's doing something and it's not about themselves. Is he changing your heart? And if he's not, I'd start asking those questions. Again, this is the good fear. that we need to drudge up in our own hearts. Judas was under incredible Bible teaching, and yet nothing changed in his heart. You know, you can hear a lot of really good Bible. You can listen to Christian music on the way to work every single day and not know him. The book of James says, don't just hear the word. Do it. Do what it says. Don't say you're a Christian and not serve other people. Don't say you're a Christian and live in gossip. Don't say you're a Christian and not be generous. He's saying, don't hear the word of God and not do anything with it. You hear the word of God, and then you act on it. Judas heard the word of God, and nothing changed in his heart. And my fear in this room is there are people that are the same way, that we hear God's word, and yet we don't act on it. Well, Matt, you don't know my situation. You don't understand how my wife is. You don't understand how my husband is. I'll never forgive that. No, the Bible says when you hear it, to do it. And I love you. You have to. Don't say you're a Christian and not disciple people. Don't say you're a Christian and not build community out together. Number two, 
This is an old theological statement. <clears throat> Number two, kill sin or it will be killing you. Kill sin or it will kill you. 30 pieces of silver is what it took to betray Jesus. 30 pieces of silver. That is not a lucrative offering. That is not something that people would be like over the moon about. It was 30 pieces of silver. It was almost insulting. And you can't look at Judas's life and not mention his love of money. Yet he would steal from the offering plate. He would scoff at people's worship and say it was waste. I think a good scripture to remember is Genesis chapter four, verse seven. If you do not do what's right, sin is crouching at your door. And it desires to have you. But you must rule over it. The love of money is the root of all evil. And in this story, you can't tell me that Judas's love of money and Satan's desire to overtake Jesus are not interwoven here together. He betrayed the Son of God for 30 pieces of silver, and that's what sin does. Again, be killing sin or it will be killing you. And again, I just, I don't want, I'm just gonna hit this again. Don't let it be casual. That's, that porn addiction you have on your phone that you're hiding from your wife, it will destroy your life. That, that, that little affair that you're having on the side, it will destroy your life. That gossip that you're entertaining will destroy your life. Well, you're talking about somebody else. No, I'm talking about you today, and I'm talking about me. This isn't about anyone else. Think of your own life. Those little casual things that we just act like, man, that's just my personality. That's just who I am. Respectively, the Bible says you're a new creation, and you don't have to be that person anymore. So let's come out of that. Be killing sin or it will kill you. And I can tell you story after story after story of people who said, I never thought I would get here. And yet they made it there. The story of, of, the, of the shepherd that had the 100 sheep and the 99 that went going. Did, did I just lose my mic right there? Okay. Will, do you got a mic on him? I'm gonna go to mic 32 real fast. I'm gonna mute this mic. It talks about the, the 99. There's 100 sheep, one goes missing. Sometimes we're that one. They have to wake up one day, look in the mirror and say, how did I get here? Because we let sin get at our door, crouch at the door, knock, and we opened it. And we opened the desire into it. Judas did not, he was not invaded by Satan. He invited it in. And I'm hoping today that you see the sin in your life and say, I've got to kill that before it kills me. Amen? Number three, you guys still with me? Here we go. Last one, we're going to finish it out here. We're either going to give up our lives for Jesus or we will give up Jesus for our lives. You're either gonna give up your life for Jesus, or you're gonna give up Jesus for your life. Well, I have a plan. I, have a, I know what I'm gonna do with my life. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm gonna do. Judas knew what he wanted. And he gave up Jesus for his own. God calls us to lay our lives down for him. Today, are you, where are you at in your heart? Are you gonna give up your life for Jesus? Or are you gonna give up Jesus for your whole life? If you would, everyone in the room, everyone's head bowed and eyes closed. Just give me you and me for just this second. If you don't know who Jesus is today, you're hearing us preach and, and you hear this big, big old Indian up here screaming, but you don't know who he is. The truth of the matter is this. There's a very real heaven and a very real hell. And these sermons are not fun to preach, but they're useful to remind us of the reality of life 
Bible tells us that if you give your life to Jesus, if you, if you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that he's the Lord, that you can be saved. But if you have not done that, the adverse is true, you would not be saved. And I'm talking to Christians that have been Christians for 20 years, 30 years, that maybe they have to check their own hearts. Today you have the opportunity to give your life to Jesus. The way we do it around here is we just pray a prayer. It doesn't, prayer doesn't change anything. It's really the heart in which you pray. But if you want to give your life to Jesus, I hope you hear today that there is a very real God who loves you and that if you feel trapped in sin, he can help you out. You don't have to live by that anymore. You can get rid of it. So here today, if you want to pray the prayer, if you want to give your life to Jesus, here's the prayer. Father God, I pray today you forgive me of my sins. You forgive me of my mistakes. I pray today that you would help me to take the steps to get away from sin. And God, help me more than anything else to love you. I believe you died on a cross. I believe you were raised from the dead. And with that, I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Take my will, take my heart, and take my emotions. I believe you're saving me today. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. With everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, just you and me, don't let's keep this moment holy for a second. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, like you gave your life to Jesus, God grabbed your heart, and you, you want him to be the Lord of your life. If you pray that the first time, you slip up a hand in the room. Is there anybody in the room? Okay. Anyone else? Okay. God, I love you and I thank you. I thank you for these moments where we move from death to life. God, help all of us just watch our own hearts. Make sure that we don't betray you. He who endures to the end will be God, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray, amen. Hey, let me do one more thing real fast. We got, we, I'm getting you out of here way earlier than normal, okay? There's a really interesting verse here in Mark 14 to the end of it, and I'm just gonna read it. Verse 50, it says like this, then everyone deserted them and fled, okay? 51, a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus, and when they seized him, he fled away naked, leaving his garment behind. I was going to make a lot of jokes about that verse right there, but I'm not. What I want to tell you, though, is some theologians believe that this was Mark painting himself into the story, like some artists do. He wanted to paint himself into this story to just tell all the audience that even I ran away. This, this line here that said that he, he had a linen cloth on, the, the, the Greek word to that is only found in one other spot, and it's found in when they're talking about burying Jesus, the, the linen cloth, what they're trying to make an allusion to is that the linen cloth that the young man like ripped off and ran away is the same cloth that Jesus used to be buried with. And here's what they're trying to connect is that the thing of shame that Mark felt about running away, Jesus took it on even in death. And then the Bible tells us that when he was resurrected, that's the same linen cloth that he folded up and put on the, on the side and said, it's finished. Here, here's, what, here's the reminder. Hillspring, he's saying, your shame, it's over. There's a new way forward. Hillspring, shame is over. Amen? I love you guys.
Thank you guys for being in worship with us today. It's always good to come together as a family in worship. If you made a decision today, we want to celebrate that with you. Take a second. Text the word new believer to the number 94000. One of our pastors will reach out and connect with you this week. And welcome to the family. It's time to part of the service where we give our tithes and our offerings back to God. Four ways you can give at Hillspring. You can give at our website, hillspring.tv slash give. You can give through our app or you can text to give at the number 84321. You can sign up for text to give or drop off a check at our church offices and our secure mailboxes. Thanks for worshiping with us today and I can't wait to see you right here next week. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.